Welcome to Mothering Earth, your source for sustainable living news. I'm Salwa Khan. Being carbon neutral, reducing your carbon footprint, is something many of us are concerned about. We may approach that goal by biking and walking instead of driving, or by eating a vegan or vegetarian diet, or by installing solar panels to reduce our energy use. These are all excellent positive things, and the more we can do like this, the better for our Mother Earth. Now, imagine a large institution like a university becoming carbon neutral. Our story today is about a university that is the first urban campus, the first research university, and the largest higher education institution in the U.S. to achieve carbon neutrality. The university is American University in Washington, D.C. What exactly does carbon neutrality mean? It means the amount of carbon dioxide the university emits is equally balanced by actions taken to reduce and offset those emissions. This is a major undertaking, and I was excited to read about it, first for the impressive achievement, but also because I received my bachelor's degree at American University. Megan Litke directed this effort, and I talked to her about it. So Megan, as an alumnus and environmentalist, I was so excited to hear about this. And since you have overseen this whole project, can you give us the news release version of the story and then we'll get into the details? We began this journey about a decade ago when our former president, President Kerwin, signed a commitment pledging us to work towards carbon neutrality. And at the time, we created a really ambitious goal of um, working towards that by 2020, um, which was far ahead of what a lot of the other schools were looking at. A lot of schools at the time were saying 2050, um, 2030 was a pretty ambitious goal. So 2020 was really ahead of, of the curve by a long shot for a lot of a lot of schools that we were looking at, um, you know, in, a, in the same genre as us. Um, and so we began working right away toward achieving that goal by improving efficiency across campus, looking at how we were managing all of our spaces. We began bringing renewable energy to campus. We began um, procuring renewable energy from off campus through the use of renewable energy credits. And then we actually worked with George Washington University, our neighbor across town, to build solar farms in North Carolina that now provide us with half of our electricity. Um, so, so that got us a, a, a long way towards our goal using efficiency strategies and using renewable energy wherever we could, but that still left us with sources of emissions that, um, that we couldn't reduce anymore at this time or were from sources that just didn't have a good renewable alternative. We use natural gas on campus for heat and hot water, for instance, and we have some solar thermal, but it's just not enough. We don't have enough space to reach the scale that we would need to reduce our use of natural gas to nothing. So we had to turn to renewable or to offsets for um for the remainder of our emissions. Um, and that was how we got there. So a combination of efficiency and renewable energy and offsets to, to balance out the rest of our emissions that we couldn't, we couldn't conquer with the first two, two attempts. So uh, now having a net zero carbon footprint means a lot, and it means something in terms of uh, being equivalent to certain things, such as taking a large number of cars off the road and so on. Can you uh, kind of dazzle us with some of those numbers? 
Sure. Um, these equivalencies are really important in terms of sharing our news because talking about tons of carbon dioxide or, you know, number of kilowatt hours reduced doesn't mean a lot to most people. So uh, our equivalents include that um, it's the equivalent of taking 10,000 passenger vehicles off the road annually um, or the equivalent of planting over a million trees. Um, it's also the equivalent of taking about 5,200 homes off the grid for a year, each year. So um, hopefully those are, are more digestible ways of, of thinking about how much of an impact we're having on the environment. What was the driving force behind the effort to become carbon neutral? And I believe you said it was about 10 years ago, but tell us how, how the whole effort began. Yeah, it was about a decade ago in 2007, 2008, an organization called Second Nature um, created a platform for university and college presidents to come forward and pledge to work towards carbon neutrality. And it was really our students who at that time were really um, beginning to be engaged in climate action and encouraged the university to take a stand and ultimately encouraged our president to sign that commitment back in 2008. And so um, it's really thanks to our students that we've we've come this far. They have remained engaged through the entire process, pushing us to, to do more and to broaden how we think about sustainability. And it all started with this pledge for carbon neutrality in 2008. And, and what did that uh, pledge lead to? I mean, was there a plan that was formulated? Did students have input in this? Uh, how did that work? Yeah, um, the first step was uh, creating a committee, and that committee included students and staff and faculty who all worked together to create a plan for us to work towards carbon neutrality. And the first plan that we created was really a climate action plan, looking at how we would address our emissions on campus. But a second plan was created um, in 2014 that broadened that scope and included a lot more um a much broader array of sustainability actions that we would include. So in addition to working towards carbon neutrality in this pledge, we also pledge toward to educate all of our students who come through our campus um, about sustainability. So we want every student ultimately who leaves here to understand how sustainability is related to the field that they're studying. Um, ultimately, I think the goal is to make sure that any job could be a green job. When students leave here, we want them to know how they can integrate sustainability into any career path and and help us to really expand the influence that we have on our on globally on sustainability from our campus that it's not just about what we do on our campus it's about the students that we're educating who will go out and have an even broader influence on many many industries yeah and that's very inspiring. So uh, I understand there were several areas that you concentrated on, including transportation, energy use, uh, commun community use, handling of wastes, and you mentioned earlier the carbon offsets. So um, starting with transportation, what was the plan there and what happened? Sure. So for transportation, the sources of emissions are from a few different areas. First, um, our commuting is the most obvious. Um, so the way people get to our campus every single day is included in our carbon footprint. We also look at transportation for university-related business. So anytime a faculty member prevents 
uh, travels to present at a conference or anytime one of our athletics teams travels to compete. All of those emissions are also captured. And the final piece of transportation that we capture is our study abroad travel. So anytime a student travels to another country for a semester or a special program or a year, we capture those emissions as well. And so we approached each of those a little bit differently, um, promoting um, the use of things like Skype to conduct business so that you didn't have to travel necessarily um, or that that wasn't the only option. And then we created a lot of programs for our commuters. So for our students, we have partnered with our local Metro Authority and now our students with one fee that they pay at the beginning of each semester are able to travel unlimited on Metro and Metro buses within Washington, DC. So it means that they can get to their internships downtown. It means that they can explore DC more or so that they can get to campus um, without having to rely on a personal car um, at no added expense throughout the year, they're able to just travel around DC more freely. We also have connected with our local um, bicycle advocacy group. So the Washington Area Bicyclist Association um, comes to our campus a few times a year to help us to educate our students about commuting by bicycle in the city. For a lot of our students, this might be the first time that they're living in a city. And so learning to bike in an urban environment is a lot different than learning to bike in a rural or suburban area. So we want to provide them with all the tools and resources to make sure that that is safe. And we also encourage our faculty and staff to take advantage of those programs and learn how to um, commute by via bicycle in the city. Um, so we've done a lot to broaden the number of options that people have to get to our campus. We're constantly adjusting our shuttle service that gets people from you know one part of our campus to another, but also to the local metro station so that we can make sure that we're maximizing its efficiency and maximizing the number of people who are able to take advantage of that program. For these things, we also use specific offsets to target the rest. So for our study abroad travel, it's sort of a unique area of our emissions because we're not trying to reduce it. It's a great program. We, we want students to travel abroad and to benefit from that educational experience. So we, we looked for offsets that would really match that source of emissions. So it's the only offset program that we invested in that's a international. And our offsets for that are located in Kenya. It's an efficient cook stove project that we've invested in. And the reason that we picked Kenya is because we have a unique study abroad program that's located in Nairobi. And so we have a special relationship with that city. We're a part of that community. Um, and so in this way, we were able to invest in an area of the world that we are already highly invested in and to continue to expand that relationship in new ways. And for our commuting offsets, we are investing in tree planting right in Washington, D.C. So we want to um, focus on the fact that they're really local uh, emission sources and we want our offsets to be created locally. It's a unique program that also is going to have the added benefit of expanding the tree canopy in D.C., which is another environmental goal um, that we have. So uh, uh, just in case some people don't quite understand what an offset is can you t uh, give us an idea of you know what what is that sure so an offset is anytime you can't um replace an emission source with the renewable source um and it's not electricity related where you would turn to renewable energy either through a renewable energy credit or through the use of solar or wind power um you can turn to offsets which really um at the at the 
um, most basic are really just doing something good for the environment somewhere when you can't reduce um, an environmental negative that you're doing somewhere else. So for us, we want to reduce emissions in other places um, when we can't reduce them on our campus, or we want to capture carbon in the case of planting trees um, that balances out the amount of um, carbon dioxide that we're creating through our daily actions on campus. So for us, most of the time, we tried to pair the offset that we were investing in with the source of emissions so that it not only was doing something good for the environment by reducing carbon emissions or by capturing carbon. It also helped us uh, educationally to explain why these emission sources um, exist, how we can manage them, and we tried to pair them as best we could. You're listening to Mothering Earth, and it's time for a break. just joining us, you're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm Salwa Khan, and I'm here with Megan Litke, Director of Sustainability Programs at American University in Washington, D.C. American University recently achieved their goal of becoming carbon neutral, which is quite an accomplishment. If you don't mind, can you tell us a little more about the Kenya project? How does that, what, what, what is it? Yeah, so um, the project that we invested in is a project where um, women in the community are employed by this company and they sell these efficient cook stoves. So the cook stoves still use wood, but they decrease the amount of deforestation that's happening because the efficient cook stoves are using less wood than a traditional open air firewood. Um, in addition to the deforest, the reduced deforestation, um, they also improve indoor air quality for these communities. They reduce the amount of time women need to spend collecting wood in the communities. So they really have a lot of added benefits mm-hmm. beyond just the decreased deforestation um, for the community. You talked uh, briefly at the top about uh, energy use. Um, tell us more about that. Yeah. um, So uh, the first strategy, I think our our highest priority has always been efficiency. So we build our new buildings to be energy efficient. We use the lead building standards to guide us through creating sustainable buildings. Um, And then for our existing buildings, we have really worked at going through them and figuring out where we can make them operate more efficiently, make sure that they're operating as efficiently as they possibly can. And overall, since uh, 2010, when we began uh, when we began measuring our our environmental footprint every year, we've reduced our electricity use by about 20% per square foot, um, which is pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's really helped us to achieve our goal. It's really helped us to manage our campus better. Um, we do it through a variety of ways, using energy audits to look at our spaces. We've also implemented. Uh, a holiday break shutdown. So um, during the last week in December, when campus is, is empty, when it's shut down for winter break, um, we change all of the set points in buildings. We ask people to unplug all of their devices and make sure that refrigerators are cleaned out and turned off. And so for that week, we really drive down our, our energy consumption by a significant amount just through engaging the people across campus to make sure that they they unplug and that they turn off anything that they possibly can. And then our, our temperatures are set back and, um, 
the the buildings are really operating in, incredibly efficiently for the week that nobody's in them. Right. Uh, and you mentioned earlier the lead. Um, talk about what that is and how, how that affects the construction of a building. Sure. So uh, LEED stands for Leadership in Energy and Environmental Design, and it's a green building standard created by the U.S. Green Building Council. It's really been adopted globally as the standard for what can make a project a green building. It goes beyond energy efficiency. It also looks at water use. It looks at transportation to the building. It looks at um, building occupant health and happiness. So it really is a comprehensive sustainability um approach to looking at how you're going to build a building. It's it's a great tool. A lot of um, a lot of organizations has adopt, have adopted it to to help standardize creating green buildings in our spaces. You also talked about the use of, or the types of energy that are used on campus. Can you mm-hmm. give us a little more on that? Sure. So, we have um, solar panels on campus, we have about 2,500 panels up across campus. We use both solar thermal to help provide hot water and photovoltaic to provide electricity for some of our spaces. Um, we don't. We simply don't have enough roof space on campus to yeah. install enough solar panels to meet our our full demand, which is why we turn to the panels in North Carolina that we built with George Washington University. And those panels. Um, there together with George Washington University and George Washington University Hospital, we have over a quarter of a million panels. Um, and those panels are in our grid. So they're local in our electricity grid. Um, and we're able to purchase electricity from them. Okay. Wow. Okay. Uh, and then there was a, um, a, as part of your plan, there was a community aspect to this. Um, can you talk about that and, and how that involved students? Yeah, so um, a big part of our plan is engagement across campus, making sure that everyone is aware of the role that they can play in helping us to achieve our sustainability goals. And now that we've achieved carbon neutrality, um, this this part of the goal remains as important as ever. Um, it, we rely on continued input and continued participation in all of our goals. So we um, we hire students in our office who are peer educators and their role is to reach out to their fellow students and help them to be engaged in this process and engaged in in just living greener lives themselves. Um, they do that through a variety of programming. We have events on our on our quad every year. Um, just last week we hosted a transportation fair where we're able to educate um, our community about all of the different transportation options that we offer. One of my favorite parts of the fair is that we bring a metro bus right onto campus and students are able to learn how metro bus works and to practice putting a bike on the front of the bus since that can be a real barrier <laughs> yeah. to multimodal travel. It can be intimidating, especially right. during rush hour to <laughs> figure out how to how to put the bike on the front of the bus. So we give them um, a stress-free chance to practice that skill and get more comfortable with with the options that are available to us in an urban area. I know this could be sort of a tricky uh, issue to approach, but does any of it relate to diet in terms of uh, eating less meat or something like that? Because that also is part of uh, the carbon footprint. 
Absolutely. Um, yeah, we do work closely with our, our dining hall to figure out how we can improve sustainability options all of the time. And then our student educators, like that is another area that they focus on as well. We have a community garden. We offer events that are vegetarian and vegan only. Um, yeah, so we absolutely include that and think about that when we're talking about sustainability on campus, that there are a lot of personal choices that go beyond just turning off the lights. Right. Well, that's good. Um, and then you talked, uh, or part of it was campus beautification, such as the planting of trees. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So the trees that we use for offsets are not on our campus. They are off campus. Um, but our campus is an arboretum. It's a certified level two arboretum. And so we use it a lot for education on campus. We um, have a great number of stormwater features. Um that we're able to use in our classes and to, to share with our community about how you can use a green roof or how you can install a rain garden. We have, um, we even have a, uh, um, a rain barrel on campus that's made from an upcycled hot tub. So, uh, <laughs> it, it's very beautiful. It has, it has a planter on the top of it. Um, but it helps us to, to share the many different opportunities that, we have to um, reduce the amount of stormwater that that right. runs off of our campus. Um, we also have trees from around the world, and we our arboretum staff is really um, thoughtful in how they think about which trees we're going to plant to make sure we're not planting invasive species, that we're planting trees that are adaptive to our environment, that they won't need a lot of extra fertilizer or water, that they'll be able to survive here. Um, and so, uh, Having a campus that is an arboretum, it's just an incredible resource when when we want to educate and talk about the outdoors. Right. Is there a, a rainwater collection as well, or is that? Yeah. Not? So in addition to our um, that the rain barrel that I mentioned, that is a upcycled hot tub. We do use that to water landscaping. Um, we also have two buildings that have cisterns that um, we also capture water in that's used in our landscaping. Right. Right. Um, and then you also have a zero waste effort going, and that's that's got to be a big uh, a big project. Indeed, yeah. One of the biggest parts of it is our our compost effort. So we have had a um, cross campus compost program for several years now, um, and so it is both front of house and back of house. In the back of house area where our kitchens and our coffee shops on campus are sending their compost, we know that that um, that stream stays really clean. So we're able to work with a small local compost vendor called Veterans Compost. Um, our students are able to take field trips there and learn from them. It's been a great relationship. And then the rest of our compost from across campus um, is able to go to a large uh, local compost facility an industrial scale compost facility takes the rest of our compost. And so it's great that we're able to offer both front of and back of house compost across campus. So how, how difficult uh, you know, are there any difficulties you foresee uh, in terms of maintaining this this carbon neutral? It's certainly an ongoing process. Um, our work is not done. Uh, I think for the offsets specifically, we have picked offsets that um, that will need to be renewed and reinvested in and uh, revisited right. on a regular basis. So all of our 
contracts and commitments with those offset programs that we've chosen are a couple years long. Um, and so every few years we'll revisit it, look to see if there's a better opportunity for us out there to connect more directly with a community or to have a, a project as part of our portfolio that's more impactful than the ones that we've had in the past. We're also continuing to look at efficiency on campus. So maintaining that as a priority is key, I think, to moving forward. We want to reduce the reliance that we have on renewable energy credits and reduce the reliance that we have on offsets ultimately as we move forward. I would say one of the biggest challenges is recognizing that getting to carbon neutrality doesn't mean we're done. Right. Um, the same work needs to continue. All of our priorities remain the same. We take an inventory actually of all of the sustainability related classes that are offered on campus each year. And what I think is really exciting is that we have classes related to sustainability in every single one of our schools. So no matter what you're majoring in, you can take some classes that will help you understand the environment in a new way, which I think is just really remarkable. It's great that we have faculty engaged across all spectrums. Um, The other program we have for faculty, which I think is also fun, is our green teaching program, which doesn't look at what you teach. It looks at how you teach. So we recognize faculty who have gone paperless in the classroom or who offer um, alternatives to, um, you know, in-person visits. Instead, they'll have a phone call with you so you don't have to take that extra trip to campus. So it really recognizes faculty who are embracing sustainability in in their day-to-day actions in the classroom, um, even if they're teaching a class that, that might not be directly related to sustainability in any way. Um, And we've learned that uh, there's some peer pressuring that happens from our students because they've gotten used to having classes that have the little green apple symbol on the website. And sometimes we hear from faculty who say that their students are like, why aren't, why aren't you a green class? (laughs) Why haven't you signed up yet? So it's great to see that these programs um, are really changing the culture of, of how we do things on our campus. As Megan Litke says, this was not an easy task, but with planning and a lot of follow through, they did accomplish an important goal, not just for American University, but for our Mother Earth. Next time on Mothering Earth, more sustainable living news. Until then, this is Salwa Khan signing off for Mothering Earth. <laughs>